Welcome to Men Are Nuts, a podcast about mental health, emotional health, psychological health, physical health, awareness in men, women and society. First, it started with MAN, the acronym for Men Are Nuts. And we have a very special guest on the show for you today. Um, right now here, it's, um, I'm cold. I'm cold here. I've got my, um, I've got my dressing gown, my, bat- my, what is it, my Batman dressing gown on. and it, it's, I'm, I'm, it's not usually cold in, in where I live. It's not usually cold where I live, but apparently this is supposed to be the coldest week of the year, every year, apparently. So anyway, without further, further ado, we have a special guest. Can you introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm Jill D'Arpino with AftermathofSuicide.com. Hi, Andrew. Thanks for having me on. The Aftermath of Suicide. And yes, um, good to have you on, Jill. And um, yeah, you. how's your day been? What's that? How's your day been? How's your day? Oh, busy, busy. <laughs> I have a puppy, you know, which he's almost a year, little Shih Tzu, but it's like having a toddler. And <laughs> I'm just like running after him. I'm like, I'm too old for this shit. I'm too old <laughs> to be running after. But he's a joy. I yeah. mean, he's just really just fun and he brings a lot of joy to me, which I so need, you know, yeah, since... Yeah. Yeah. the death of my son yeah. so yeah. you know and then earlier right before i got on that's why i was a little late um my my lipstick broke and it fell into the carpet and right. then i stepped on it <laughs> <laughs> so i'm like ah! and then jj's trying to you know eat it and it's like oh my god you know so Hey, I, you know, you go with the flow, whatever it's, it is. It's funny, as you know, because it's funny, it. you know, you're saying about um, eating it. Did you, did you know, I don't know if you know this statistic, but apparently there's a statistic that says that women eat one, obviously, I mean, that's obviously dependent on how much you use it, but I think they eat one lipstick a year or something like that. Um, you mean just from licking our lips? Just, yeah, just by, yeah, just by. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, you know, maybe so, I mean. <laughs> You know, when I put lotion on, right, my, my puppy licks my legs. He likes the smell of the lotion. So, yeah, I guess that's, that could be true. So where, whereabouts are you based? Um, where are you living and, you know? I am in the greater New York area, the tri-state area. Yeah. I'm about 20 minutes right outside of New York City. I'm in New Jersey. Yeah. Um, born and raised in California, San Jose, which is, you know, Silicon Valley. Yeah. Um, Moved to Lake Tahoe, down to Las Vegas, lived there 30 years, Carlsbad, San Diego area, California, and then out here where my parents were born. Yeah. Um, so I have family, but um, kind of a long story short, you yeah, know, people yeah, yeah. say, well, why would you leave Las Vegas you know, to come here yeah. to New Jersey? Yeah. And I said, because after my son took his life, I couldn't stay there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was triggers on every corner, everywhere. His high school, a restaurant we went to. It was a lot for me. Um, so I felt I just needed to move away almost to stay alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't mean like I would take my life, yeah, but yeah. I was severely depressed and hospitalized. And yeah. it was uh, yeah, the, the worst experience ever. So that's why I'm out here. But I go back and forth because my daughter, you know, lives in Las Vegas yeah. still. How are you finding it? How are you finding things there? We and what's it like to live there? What's 
What's the general kind of your feeling of living there? And have you, did you travel there before you lived there, or is it a case of you just went there just kind of like, you know, blindly? No, um, back in 07 and 08, I worked for Hilton for about 14 years. Yeah. So I helped, I moved out here, and I've, I've had a girlfriend that I've known for like 43 years that's yeah, yeah. born and raised here. So I kind of stayed with her and, and helped them open the resort and a new hotel right. in New York City. So with that said, of course, you know, I'm Italian, the, the culture's here, you know, you, it, there's just a commonality and I fit and it was fun. Um, but that was a long time ago. And of course, like I said, my parents were born here. And so I have family here. Yeah. And, um, but you know now i mean that was a, a long time ago right and as we know we all change in our 40s were different in yeah, our yeah. 50s were different yeah. what we liked or accepted back then we don't now you know change is something i always tell people is is a constant yeah it's something that you need to always be, be prepared for yeah it, it is ju just is and there's a lot of people you know that that don't do well with change and it's something, like I say, I always told my kids, it's something you can always count on. Yeah. And so, um, but you know, but back then it was a different time. I, my, both my kids were alive. And now being here um, was different, of course, because I was so far away from all of my closer family members and my daughter. But I, I needed to come out here to be away from, you know, all of that. Um, like I said, the triggers. Yeah. And triggers are so important to try to avoid as much as possible when you suffer with depression or you're struggling with grief. You know, that trigger. And people think that a trigger, you know, um, once you, you bury somebody and the funeral's over, that it's over. And then you just go on with your life. That's not so. You know, that is just the beginning. Yeah. Is after the funeral. Yeah. And, um, so a lot of people feel like, you know, okay, she's buried her son and now, you know, she'll move on. No, yeah. you don't ever move on. You learn to live a different way yeah. without a loved one, especially someone that close to you, a spouse or a child yeah. or a parent. So, you know, I came out here, but um, the first few years were okay. You know, COVID hadn't hit yet. And as you remember, New York was where it all hit first, and it was insane, and um, lockdown, and craziness, and I have to tell you, I mean, and now as you've seen, probably, they, uh, the, the governor of New York, Governor Cuomo, stepped down, which he had hid the amount of deaths in the retirement home where he sent COVID patients to live with elderly wow. and oh yeah he's being sued so there's about over 15,000 that actually died that didn't have COVID but he took the COVID patients and stuck them in there with the healthy ones and so um, he, he lied about them the number he said it was about 8,600 but um, but it was his executive order that made people have to take these when, when, sick. When did he? When did he step down? Has this? Is this been lately? When? When is this happening? Yeah, just God. I'm going to say, was it within the last 
six or seven months. Oh. Yeah. I haven't heard, I didn't hear anything um, about that, gosh. Yeah, so, you know, as you probably know, you know, people with power and money, boy, there is just so much darkness around a lot of them. They abuse it. They abuse their power, which the Cuomo family was notorious for. His father was governor. And then, uh, if you remember the CNN host, Chris Cuomo, yeah. if you ever watched CNN, yeah. that was his brother. Right. Well, he was just fired from CNN. So for, you know, trying to dig through investigating the women that were claiming sexual harassment from Governor Cuomo, right. which is for a journalist, you, you can't do that. You can't use, you know, where you work to try to investigate people that girls that were accusing his brother of sexual harassment. Right, so yeah. anyway, so, you know, living out here, like I said, um, with the with the covid, it I mean, it, it was crazy. You know, um, I'm still way back then, I have to tell you, when it first started, I said to my husband, Joe, this is a disaster waiting to happen. This lockdown, wait till you see the amount of people that are affected mentally by suicide being up, um, alcoholism, spousal abuse, child abuse because schools were closed. Yeah. You can't see these kids anymore, right? To see a bruise. Um, and now you're hearing about it. I mean, suicide is up by 22%. Right. And for me, that is, I just go crazy because I lost my son to suicide. I know what it's like. It, it's a whole completely different type of death. And it just makes me so angry how misused and abused this COVID um, is taken to such a, a level that is hurting this country in more ways than just the people dying from COVID. Yeah. They're forgetting about the living. You know, what about the living that are affected? There's more people affected that are living than died. Yeah. And I have several doctor friends. When this first happened, and one of them, by the way, was in New York City where this was full blown. And they were working 24 hour days. They were exhausted, right? Bodies were in the hallway. People were being wheeled in. It was packed. There's no room. And she would go home, she said, crying um, just to see everything. But as it started to go on, she said that they were told to put down that people died of COVID even when they didn't die of COVID. Yeah. Because the hospitals, you know, get $40,000 per person if they died of COVID. A, a guy on a, in a motorcycle accident came in and died. They had to put COVID. So that made me, I, I'm so ethical and one of those people that fight for the underdog. I'd be a great lobbyist. Yeah. Um, I always wanted to be an attorney. You know, I'm, I have an innate gift to read people. And, and so hence my career in sales was, was so good because of that. But I was in such shock and disgust that, you know, you're hearing half a million people died from COVID. That's not true. 
Those numbers are so inflated. And it makes me angry to see the fear mongering that is going on in this country because of information that's not accurate. And Fauci and all those people, you know, that are in control of all of this. Um, So, you know, when you're here, you see a lot more of what's going on than what the news tells you, right? Of what's happening in New York when you're living there, you know. But now, I mean, it's a total disaster. Um, You you wouldn't catch me going to New York City if my life depended on it. Uh, People are being pushed in front of subways, and they don't even have a beef with you they're not even trying to rob you okay you're being stabbed in the middle of the day um a woman was you know rocked to death on her head an asian woman in middle of the day people are being killed in times square it, it, you're not safe day or night no matter where you go yeah, yeah. and Actually, you, would I you mean, say would you say that new york um has got worse not worse yeah worse has it got worse since since um, during the last two years, then during the last year, or since the, the since all oh. you know the whole thing kicked off, you think it's got worse than it yeah. was before? Absolutely. And I will say this: maybe people may not like this, but one thing about me, I'm going to always speak my truth. Okay. Let me clarify first and preface by saying I am not a racist mm. in any way, shape, or form. I'm not homophobic. I have cousins that are gay what started all this as we all know was the killing of george floyd okay when that happened um and that cop you know sat on his neck basically with his knee for all that time the the country just went ballistic i mean rightfully so for what he did but for what people used that reason to create what they did in this country is criminal. The um, destruction of people's businesses, you know, trying to kill innocent people, stealing stuff, robbing stores. What does that have to do with the killing of George Floyd? Mm. You are hurting innocent people and you've probably watched here in the States, in Oregon, right? In Portland, those cities where the protesting went on for the entire summer. It cost billions of dollars in damage. The mayor didn't say a word, no one's saying a word, letting all this people run amok and you know, beating people and I mean, what the hell is going on? I said to myself, this is our country and it's like the civil war. You know, yeah. we're we're against each other. Yeah, because that, that was at the same time. Or... Yeah, because that was at the same time when the literally months after then when this whole thing kicked off. Yes. Of, yeah. And things were just opening up with the lockdown. You know, from COVID lockdown in March, and you know by May they were starting. May June they were starting to, um, you know, release some of that and lift it. But you know, George Floyd was killed um, like Memorial Weekend, May. 25th right in there and I mean it was disgusting to see what that cop did and he deserved to be to be sent to prison Um, but again to use that and then punish the rest of the country of people that are good people you know I mean now it became 
everybody, if you're white, you're the problem.、Mm. Um, and and we are told this. You know, it's white people's fault. It's and to me, I find that insulting、uh, because you can't put us all in a handbasket. We're not all bad people. There are some bad cops, absolutely, but there's the majority that they're more good than bad. Not all white people are racist. I mean, for God's sake, look at Chicago. Those black people are killing their own black people, and still to this day, no one's got a hold and a grip of that.、Mm. Even when Obama, our black president, didn't do a thing about Chicago, which is where he came from, by the way. He's a senator there before he was president.、Mm. So you know, they want to say that only you know white people or cops pick on black people. Some that may be true, but not for all. And if you care so much about black people, why aren't you doing something about killing your own kind in Chicago? There's kids being murdered, eight-year-olds being shot because they're playing in the front yard and they're in the wrong place in the wrong time. I mean, this this is this is too much for me. And I, I, I'm starting. I'm angry now. If you can't tell, yeah.、Um, you know, in the beginning, you're you're like, wow. I mean. You know, I totally feel for these people, but now, you know, this this smashing windows and going in and stealing stuff, and what does that have to do with the death of George Floyd? What gives you the right to use that as a reason to run amok and destroy this country? You have to think of your country as your home. This is where you live. This is your home.、Yeah. Would you allow your kids to come in your house and just destroy your house? <laughs>、yeah. Of course not. Right? It's like, oh, oh, okay. You know, Bobby, whatever you want to do.、Um, the kids running the show. They're running the household. The parents are afraid of the kids,、uh, and that's kind of what was playing out in the cities. Most of these were young kids, and of course, because of businesses being closed. A lot of people had a lot more free time,、yeah. and they were on unemployment, collecting extra money that our government was giving, you know, for this whole、um, COVID affecting people. Yeah,、I've、so just, they I, had the time to do. And also, I'm just sorry, I just I've just read I've saw, I think I saw something the other day where a lot of wealthy people now are being investigated for for for、um, fraud. Yeah, for fraud for taking the money. That was、yep. supposed to be given out, and you think, and、yep. even that, I just, I, this is, re- I, I think this is one of the reasons. These are some of the reasons why I did the podcast is just to get people's thoughts and opinions and the things that they go through and and wherever they are and and how they've managed to come through, how managed to come through and keep the keep some sanity in their life and and come through the triumphs and and I just look and I think, I. Okay, if you've made the money, this I've always been this thing. If you, okay, you've made the money and you you live in and you're existing, what why why do you need extra? What is that extra bit going to do for you? And, and I just think, how can you be as a millionaire or billionaire, be claiming for money that you don't need? <laughs> well, God, we could sit here on this podcast for hours, right? I mean, there is so much fraud, and by the way. The Black Lives Matter founder—I forget her name—she has like three homes. Okay, and then people—they caught her, and they did. You know, I don't have it in front of me to know the exact, 
but she was buying homes that were like a million dollars. Where were you getting that kind of money? I mean, all of a sudden they went from nothing to, you know, uh, so, but yes, there is a lot of fraud, people claiming the stimulus money that they really didn't have the right to get. Um, unemployment fraud is in the billions in just one state alone. It was like $20 billion in California of, in, you know, unemployment insurance fraud that people were claiming unemployment for people that were dead. Uh, so, you know, truthfully, where do you even start with investigating all of these things? And I wish I was an attorney now because the attorneys are, you, good luck if you could find one. There are so many lawsuits. They are making a ton of money between the DC lawsuits with all of that swamp and, you know, all of that going on. And then you've got who's suing who for, you know, what's going on in schools with the children and the parents and the teachers unions and that whole thing. I mean, it's just, it's like chaos everywhere. Yes. How do you, um, you know, I grew you, up. How, how do you, sorry to cut you, but how do you, um, how do you, how do you find that people, including yourself or anybody around you, or particularly living in some, a place like New York, let's just say America in general, but let's just say New York, um, how do you find, is your, is your, is your kind of mental health kind of, are people's mental health on the kind of, shush, kind of like, right. torn oh. in shreds? Absolutely. Because there's so many that's things. That's why I said. Because that's what I was saying. I'm sorry. Because there's so many things going on. That's okay. well, even last year, not last year, the year before, when I spoke to someone in the podcast and they and they spoke about and I said to them, they said it was like a, I forgot the, the terminology is, but basically it was like a, a melting pot and everything just exploded. Um, it's like a coming together of all things. So like you had the the presidency, presidential candidate race or whatever you want to call that, um, or you know. Trump out or whatever. Then you had the the virus. Then you had the George Floyd thing. It's like a culmination. And plus, there's many other things going off that we don't oh, hear God. about. Um, yeah. And like you're telling me about this now. Should, are people's m- mental health? You know, how do how do people cope with all those things going off? Or, or and and or are they coping? Well, I think it, this is my belief. I have a podcast. I think, as you know, it's on Anchor and Spotify under the name of Aftermath of Suicide. And everything I talk about is not only what's going on today, but what can we do about it? (coughs) What can we do about certain things with depression? Everything I talk about goes and is related back to mental health. Because there is such a high amount of not only depression, but drug addiction, like I said, it's back up, alcoholism, suicide. And because people really don't know how to cope and you've got so many people that not only lived alone, but then they couldn't be with someone and they couldn't hug and you can't go out. And so you're just so confined and isolated. And many people that do suffer with depression will not reach out to ask for help. It's just, it is what that is. Uh, They always feel a burden. So you need to reach out to them if you know somebody is suffering or somebody is struggling. And, and you should know that if you're close to people or you're even aware, um, you know, reach out. It's just a phone call even. How are you doing? 
you know, we need to have more human involvement. And because social media has become where no one hears a voice anymore, you just text, you email, you know, on Facebook, on Instagram, and it's so impersonal that we've lost that human touch. And I don't mean physical touch, but the human touch of hearing a voice. You know, hearing a voice is so much different than just getting a text. You know, how are you doing? Yeah.、Uh, that kind of stuff. I, it, it's just, and I hate texting. By the way, I really do. I hate it.、Um, I don't mind it if it's, you know, I'm running late or you know, just thinking about you. But if it's a conversation, do not text me because I won't even answer you.、Yeah. Uh, but in my、uh, podcast, I talk about how you can help yourself. How you can help other people.、Um, even in my book that I wrote, "Overcoming a Life Destroyed: The Devastating Impact of Mental Illness: How It Took My Son's Life and Almost Mine." That's the title, and you can find it on my website, aftermathofsuicide.com. All of the proceeds from my book go to the Wounded Warrior Project and Tunnel to Towers. Which helps our first responders and and our military,、yeah. which they so needed. My son was military、um, army. So,、um, with that said, I, I have different、um, podcasts on there, which can help people just listening to someone else. You know, oh yeah, I never thought about doing that, or I didn't think about.、Uh, but in my book, I I talk about those that don't suffer, what you could do for those that do. Yeah. Because a lot of times we don't know how to help someone. People feel like they have to fix them. You don't need to fix them. Just reach out. Just how are you doing? What's going on in your life? Even if you know they are suicidal, ask them. Are you suicidal?、Yeah. They say yes. Ask them. Do you have a plan? It's okay to ask that because it actually. Helps them to feel that you care enough to ask them, "Are you suicidal?" You know that that conversation of, "Yeah, oh hi, how are you doing?" And yeah, well, you're not feeling so good. I'm sorry, but but no one wants to go any further to ask, "What can I do to help you?" You know,、um, are you suicidal? And boy, ask that stuff because they're not going to call you and say, "Guess what? I'm suicidal." You, the next time you hear about them is usually at their funeral. Yeah. And you don't want to wait to that point. Um. It, in the back of my book, there's a post that I put on there, and it says the word suicide. It caught your attention, didn't it? The word suicide catches everyone's attention. It's the actions that lead up to suicide that go unnoticed. Yeah. And that's why after it happens, right? People say, "Wow, I, I didn't even, you know, I should have called him. I should have done this and that, and the should haves and the could haves and the ifs that follow after a suicide can drive you insane, especially if it's your child." Yeah, yeah, and、um, so yeah, that's and that, those are good points you, you've you've made there about you know people reaching out to people because even during this. What's happened in the last two years? It's like people. I always like I, I said to you before that、um, this. I always felt that we humans have become really disconnected, and you、yes. know, all, and, yes. and, 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 and there's always been crime, and there's always been 
you know, for years and years. But I, I analyse this, that we're, we're living su- supposedly in the best times, in a sense, because we're living in a time where technology is forward. We're living in a time where there's food in abundance. There's, you know, there's this... You know, we've got clothes. We're able to walk on... We'll be able to walk and we're wearing shoes. We're able to, you know, fix our hair. You know, before those days, you know, we're able to find instruments to brush our teeth and we're able to know things about how to nourish our body and clean our face and do all these things. But we're much more educated today, right? We have more knowledge about things. So we're living in probably the best times. So the irony of living in the best times is that we, we still seem to be backwards in terms of hatred for each other and dislike and like you say the suicide rates are up worldwide and it's not just and it's not just because of this um this virus thing or whatever it's it's, it's happening before people crimes high this high yet we're living in the best times where we could and even connecting with each other yes it's a phone and all that sort of stuff but our phone gives an opportunity not to connect on probably to connect on social media but also just to ring and call and say I'm going to come round. So we're not. So even if they were miles away, we can still connect, either Zoom or not. But so we're living in the the most forward of times that we can do it, possibly can. But yet, all these things are happening, and that's re, that's what I'm trying to I'm trying to get out of the podcast is that you know what is that about and and how can we, as collective as human, get back together and kind of understand each other's journey and why. <coughs> And that's the reason why I'm doing the podcast because I think it's I think it's important that we we need to stop um, dividing. Yes, and, I, I agree. I mean, together. we need to stop looking at people as a color. Yeah. I mean, there are some people that are going to always do that. You can't change everyone, but to the the division that this country is in, I have never seen in my entire lifetime, and I'm 63 years old. Yeah. Um, the best time to live in this country was back when I grew up, mm. by the way. We had a simple life. We didn't have microwaves. We didn't have all that stuff that, you know, distracted you and kids are all up in their room with their gadgets and their TV and their iPads. And so they never come down and there's no family time. Um, I believe, you know, the family unit being broken and divorce rates high and kids having one parent has been destructive to kids and now you're seeing it play out in this generation in the 20s generation which i believe is the most unprepared generation of our time Um, and some of it i i blame the parents because i could tell you right now my daughter who's 32 and my son who passed would be 37. my kids if they ever behaved like what you saw out in the streets and that protesting and burning cars, I would have kicked their ass. That would never, ever happen. Nor would it have, my dad would allowed it for us to behave that way. There's a difference of when you raise your kids right. They know right from wrong. It's not okay. It's not acceptable to behave like that. So now you've got people just wild running everywhere. And who who are they accounted for? Who is holding them accountable for their behavior? So, you know, a lot of it is the parents. Because like I said, there's no way 
my kids would ever behave like that. I don't, my dad used <laughs> in my 40s, my dad would still be, you know, no, you're not doing that. You make sure you pick up the phone and you call that person, you apologize. He was still telling me stuff. And to, to, I thank him to this day, God rest his soul, because I grew up with good character, integrity, treating people fairly. I, I'm not one of those, I wasn't one of those bosses that I had favorites. No, what's right is right. It doesn't matter if I like this one more than that. I would not just give in because I like you more. You know, I was very fair. Yeah. And it, 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 I just, you know, to me, um, this country's in trouble. Our country, I've never seen it like this. No one has any regard for human life. It's become um, worth, a, worth $20. These people are getting killed for 20 bucks and some of them and many for nothing. Yeah. There, it, you know, years ago it used to be gangs killed each other or the mafia. Now people are killing innocent people that had nothing to do with them. They, they, there wasn't even anything. They just walked down the street and beat them over the head with a brick for no reason. Yeah. What is happening? Yeah. I mean, it's shocking, isn't it? Yeah. To see people treating other people like this. Yeah. So, I mean, we can all do our part, but we can't, you know, fix the world. Wouldn't it be great if we can? Yeah. But more people, and I think if people, if government came down on those that were doing something criminal or illegal, they hold them accountable. But if they're not being held accountable, which is what's happening, now you're seeing people knowing, hey, I can get away with that. I just did. You know, I did X, Y, Z, and they just let me out of jail. And I'm going to go do it again. You know, these some of these rap sheets are 10 years long, and they're still getting out. Yeah. So. And now I was going to ask. Took, so, so I'm going to cut you again because I'm going to ask you this before. Yeah. I'm going to ask you because I'm going to because because you're talking about that. I'm thinking to myself. Um, again, it, even though I spoke about I spoke about because America with the, the there's a gun culture and it's you know everything's different in America. Um, even the sentencing, people, yeah. people are getting tough. People have been getting tough sentences for years and years. So even though, so what I'm going to ask about this is I'm going to ask your opinion, what your thoughts on it, and it could be mental health, it could be people struggling with and coping with the lives in America or whatever it may be, the different things that's happening here, whether it be the where they ha- whether they have to pay for insurance, pay for them, pay for, you know, medical care, whatever it, whatever's happening, so many things happening there. I'm gonna ask you this. The t- sentences are tough and probably even tougher now. Yet we're still yet America's still plagued with um, crime. Do you think that the problem is people, you know, like you said, the, the generation, or do you think is there's a lot of struggle with mental health, or you know, what is it a culmination of a lot of things? Well, and again, when I speak about this, I can only speak about from my country. Yeah. Sure, I yeah, that's see what, that's it what I'm seeing, yeah. all over the place, yeah. right? You you see people standing up, and now they're protesting the the vaccine vaccine mandate and all that. You see it all over the world, but all I can speak for is my country that I live in, and. You know, I don't believe that sent to me sentencing 
There is no rhyme or reason to a lot of it. You could be picked up for cocaine on you, not that you're selling it. And you could get 20 years. Yeah. And yet somebody that murders somebody is out in 12. That makes no sense to me. So that needs to be fixed right there. I mean, every state is different, obviously. They have their own laws, but it's not even making sense. But you've got people where there's no cash bail now, and so they, they do commit these crimes, and then they're back out on the street. And then they commit the crime, and they go back in. And, you know, if you, if you steal any type of merchandise, anything under $1,000, you're let out. So what's what's the consequence hmm. i know i could steal again i'm going to go rob this store and as long as it's under a thousand i'm going to get picked up but it's a misdemeanor and i'm going to get right back out again that's yeah. part of the problem yeah um, you mentioned then so, cash bail what for the listeners out there who don't know about what these these sayings what is what's that cash bail well there's no cash bail years ago or not too long ago when you were arrested you had a bail right either the judge would give you no bail depending on what you did wrong i mean if you murdered 20 people you would not get any bail um you're held you know in prison till your your trial so they get a bail let's say it's a hundred thousand dollars you have to go to a bail bondsman and you have they have to put up ten thousand dollars okay somebody in your family or anybody they need 10% of whatever your bail is. So if it's a $100,000 bail, you need $10,000 to get out of jail, to walk free until your trial. Well, now they've done away with, it's no cash bail, nothing. You don't even need bail. So what incentive is there for these people to stop being criminals? Yeah. If they know they can just get out and there's no cash bail. It's like, it's like your children, right? Whatever. Um, robbing something, getting caught, being arrested, coming home and you go, you know what? If you do that again, I'm taking your phone. And then they go out. There's no consequence. It's not strong enough. It's not serious enough. So they're going to just keep repeat. And that's why you hear repeated offenders, right? Yeah. And their rap sheets, pages long, because they've been doing this for years. Yeah. Did you hear about the guy in Wisconsin during the Christmas parade? I think it was around Thanksgiving time, who drove his car down the street of the parade and killed oh, six saw, people. Yeah, I heard something about that on the Okay, so that guy had a rap sheet of like 50 pages long of all the things that he's done throughout the years. He shouldn't have been out, period. The last time he was out was because he tried to run over his girlfriend. Hmm. And he was out on a $1,000 bail. What Einstein brilliant DA would give him a bail of $1,000? Yeah. So now after that, the guy goes and runs down people in the street. And I mean, he was driving fast. He intended to kill people. So, 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 what, so, what we're saying there, and then is, I mean, obviously, we, I mean, we're painting a, a, a kind of a bleak picture. Um, do you see what? 
because you're 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 speaking as a citizen, but also you're speaking as somebody who's passionate about your the country and passionate about humans. Um, what do you what would do you see these um, light at the end of the tunnel? Well, I mean, for this to get fixed, and and many, 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 you can do a consensus of people that feel this way. And actually, it's common sense. Okay, like we said, there needs to be repercussion and consequence in anything in life. Mm. I've always told my kids that your choices there will always be consequence to your choice. So make sure you think about what you do. Right. So. What's happening here in in so many states that are allowing no cash bail and you know people are just doing this stuff it's like a revolving door. Well, we need to get a grip on that. You don't really need to be you know brilliant to understand that. We need to get a grip on that. We can't just keep letting people back out on the street. But we also need to help those that are mentally ill that are continuing to commit crime. To getting help, because just putting them in prison isn't help. Yeah. It's not going to help what the help they need. You know, there's there's criminals that belong in prison, and then there's mentally ill that belong in a place that can help them, not just lock them up. Yeah. But what's happening here is now they're just releasing people. Yeah. A lot of our DAs are doing that, yeah. and. It's hurting a lot of good people, you know.、Um, they just a young gal, 24 years old in Los Angeles. They just stabbed her to death. One guy came in and stabbed her. He didn't even know her. So this girl died because this guy had a rap sheet from South Carolina, which is across the country from L.A. to South Carolina. That's you're, you're talking west to east coast. He had a rap sheet all this way. What was he doing out? Yeah. But you see, no one's thinking about what about the victims that died. What about their families? It's not always about the criminal. Yeah. So there's a a lot of moving parts to this. Yeah. And so, what would you say? Okay. What are the what are with all those things happening? You live in America. You live in New York, and. What were the positive things? Would you say to to live in there? What are the things that you enjoy about there and and being there? Or has has some of that gone? Or is it just you know because we seem to be painting a picture of of these things happening and this and all these things are true, but what what about the other things about what what is it that you enjoy about living there and and what would you like to see flourish? You, or do you mean living here where I live, or、yeah. living in the United States? New York or the United States? What would you know? Just okay. Well, I, I truly believe that this is the most amazing country to live in the world. It is the best country to live in the world. The freedoms that we have, our choices that we we have,、um, just so many options as a human being. If you choose, see that's the, that's the key word. If you choose the right path, and there's so much help for people here, whether it's financial aid for school,、um, you know, whatever you want, you've got 
abundance. I mean, you've got food, right? We've got clothing. We have beautiful stores. We have beaches. We've got the Silicon Valley, which is the center of Facebook and Apple and Google and you know PayPal. I mean, they're all right there where I was born. And so there's a lot of opportunity in this country. But and I don't mean to sound like I'm painting this a bleak picture, but right now it is bleak, Andrew. Yeah, yeah. It is bleak from what the country was and what where we could go to. Yeah. But it takes the community just like when 9/11 happened, I never saw such camaraderie of people in this country together. I never felt so close to people of any color race i don't care what you know um religion you were we all cared about each other we were so affected by that and now it's become as i call it you know our our it's me it's we the people of the united states that's our our emblem right? in order to po- form a more perfect union i call it we the people of the united states because now it's me the people of the united states yeah, yeah. me 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 It's all about me now. It doesn't matter about you. I don't care. I'll run you over. I'll kill your mama. I'll do whatever I got to do to live. And it's become, like I said, where human life has no value. Yeah. So there are a lot of great things. Um, but I think right now what I'm seeing play out, and it's been playing out a good year or more, of we're really catering to more of the criminal lifestyle those people are getting away so, with things so what we're saying is so what we're saying is the root of it then is money and power oh, well absolutely the power power is can be a very dark power could be you know that word power and control have a lot of bad connotation right it's got this darkness over it yeah. power yeah. control because that's what we think but it could also be a good thing be a good if thing, you yeah. use your power in a good way yeah. um, but the power that's going on now it's all about money what's in it for me um, that's why the portfolios of some of these congress people uh, you know they have a portfolio of 10 million when their salary is 175,000 a year. Where do you get a portfolio like that? And and I'm not talking just one. I'm talking tons of them. So they're in with whoever it is that will pay them to do what they need to do. Right? Yeah. Um like a prid quote quid pro quo. Um I'll do this but I want you to pay me something. And then I'll slip this bill in through and I'll get it approved. Or I'm just using that as an example. Um, but you know, power and and money, um, money talks, yeah. and most people can be bought. Yeah, I was going to ask price. you this as well, based on that. Before we kind of start talking about your 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 life, and then because because I want to get to, want people to to get to know you and and the things that you've come through to get to where you are, and why is it that you've why is it you still you, you know you're still living today, even though you've gone through all these things. With the with, do you? I'm going to connect the two then. While we've got social media, and then we've got money, do, do you think 
that because more and more people now, because I always, I always, for years, for oh God, five years now at least, maybe, I, I, I always said that we were in the age of knowing. This is before any, everybody else started to talk about spirituality and all that stuff, but I always thought that we we're, we're in the age of knowing. And that was a lot of research and then, and then things I've started to see for the last, maybe even longer, we're in the age of knowing. And that means for me is that this, there was something about what I felt maybe 10 years ago where I felt that people are starting to pick up on, I started to pick up on certain vibrations that people are starting to understand certain things that are going on. And do we, and now it's kind of come full circle because social media is now showing a lot of things, a lot of history about certain people, about life and, and things like that. Would you say that because more people know about, because more people are showing the wealth, some people are showing fake wealth um, on social media, and now we're starting to see the wages or the th- like. You, like you, you know, certain news outlets wouldn't sh- wouldn't have shown years ago how much somebody was making. Now it's on right. social media. How much? Pe- how much? Like you said, somebody's you know these 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 governors and that who are getting who got temp. We might, might not have found that out 10 years ago, but because social media is, is is showing wealth and showing fake wealth, do you find that that has affected so many people that now it's all about everybody going after money? I think it's detrimental to the country. Back when it started where you could find where someone lived, do you remember that when yeah. you could do people search? And for a little fee, you could find out where this person lived, their address, who they're related to, that is so dangerous to me, especially for a woman who, let's say, just met a guy online and she doesn't really know him yet. Well, once he knows her name, he could look her up. And you've probably heard some of these stories of dating that the guy, she was murdered. Um, So going back to the social media, yeah, I believe that some of it's good technology, but a, lo- a lot of it has been used to hurt people, to create so much anger, especially if I find out, oh, this person's worth billions of dollars. Now you can get some people that will hate them, will stalk them, will kill them, you know, whatever it is. Um, so I-, I don't believe it's good to be able to find out every little thing about somebody. I mean, would you like that? You know, let me see what, what your net worth is. Well, and you can do that now. You can Google all this stuff. In fact, one of my podcasts, Andrew, is called um, how Steve, Jeff Bezos, the owner of, of Amazon, how Jeff Bezos and the wealthy could actually help this country. Yeah. And I talk about if they just gave a little, you have to listen to it to have me, I break it down. And I didn't even go into all the people of the wealth. I talked about, I think, the top 20 billionaires. Um, And it wouldn't even make a dent in their income because they buy cars that are a million dollars. It wouldn't even make a dent in their income, right, to help everyone in the United States that was qualified to get that stimulus check that they were passing out when COVID hit. I'm not talking about helping the wealthy helping the middle class and below, helping people to where we didn't have to go in debt in this country because that stimulus money, by the way, if people don't know this, we need to pay back. 
to the government. It's our debt as U.S. citizens, not it wasn't free money. So I talk about and I break it down how the wealthy could actually help because they do donate, but they usually donate to something that they want to because they get a write-off. They donate because it's called a 501c, where it's a donation and that they can write off through their foundation. So, you know, they donate to things that really help them. But, you know, true giving really is giving when there's nothing in it for you. Yeah. True giving is giving when there's nothing coming back to you. Just give. And that kind of money that they have, they can't spend in their lifetime. In, I mean, Jeff Bezos is worth, what was it, $167 billion? One six seven billion. Yeah. So, just the interest alone, his kids can't even spend. So I'm just saying, if they want to help, they could help all of those in the United States. And of course, they could do more than that. But I'm just talking about our country because they're citizens here. Now, forget about the wealth that they have out into the um, what do they call it? Um, not the Bahamas, um, offshore. Yeah. Okay. You hear about people having accounts offshore because they don't have to pay tax on it so the wealthy could help there shouldn't be any homeless people here there should not be one homeless person here with the amount of wealth that is in this country yeah, yeah. so that's the good part of the people that have money but many of them use it in good ways and many of it use that use it in the power and the control to destroy people, yeah. to destroy people's lives because yeah. they can, because they can. Yeah. So let's talk about your journey. Um, that's led up to you, you know, your thoughts and um, what was what was life like for you as a as a young person, young girl growing up, a child, um, your family background. What was what was what was what were things like for you? I had a wonderful upbringing, um, an Italian parent, parents from New Jersey, but their parents were born in Italy. Uh, my parents were married 59 years when my dad passed. I had an amazing, amazing father and grandfather to his kids, grandkids. He loved his family. That was the most important thing. Family was everything to my dad. He was a simple man who could live in a cardboard box. But boy, was he about your character and being ethical. And that's why you can hear it in me, how with my conviction of it, yeah. um, I don't care about the house you live in. I don't care about what car you drive. And there's a lot of people in this country that that's a big thing, you know. Um, I don't care. How's your character? And that's how my dad was. Yeah. So he wasn't impressed with that stuff. So we, I grew up in a great childhood, um, aunts and uncles. My mom had eight siblings. My dad had six between their spouses, cousins. It was wonderful. Yeah. Um, our holidays, you know, family meals, Italian tradition of foods. It, it was great. And um, I had a dad that, boy, I swear he was my biggest cheerleader. But so wise, Andrew, I learned a lot from my dad about people. And that's why I think I'm so, I can zero in on somebody. I can read them in about five minutes 
I can tell you if there's something bad about them. I'm an energy person where I feel people's energy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and sure, today in your podcast, you're hearing me speak where I'm angry because I am angry yeah. with what the country, you know, is it's what's going on. But growing up, I had, and I think that's what makes it so hard is I grew up such a right in such a. Yeah great time and a great place with a great family it's like what the hell has happened what is going on so i miss that i miss the simple things in life yeah you've tasted the other side and that's what it is you've tasted the other side of you know what it's like to live in a with with like like a wholesome environment and where the country mm-hmm. was this and, and, it, and it wasn't and it Basic. wasn't it wasn't you looking for rose tinted glasses of just you growing up and being surrounded by it because times would have been tough then for people but it but mm-hmm. but for some for reasons that we spoke about and other reasons things have changed maybe it's the characters of people and and you know this this drive for the family unit the breakup of the family unit yeah the breakup of the family unit that's even a big thing the divorce rates so you've grown up in a time where where there was there was a just a completely different i i know because i mean i'm i'm 50 years old so i knew i grew up in a time where it was it was a completely different time we didn't have the drugs back then that the drugs are available now yeah we didn't have that. Yeah. You know, we had drugs, but not like today. Yeah. Fentanyl and opioids and, you know, heroin and cocaine. I mean, you name it. We didn't have that. So you could play miles away from your house and you didn't have to worry about your kid was going to get kidnapped. Yeah, yeah. Or raped or stolen. It, it didn't happen, you know, I mean, really. So times were simple. Yeah. And I loved it, you know, and growing up. And then, you know, I had two children, my son Mike, um, who would have been 37 in November this last year. He took his life when he was 30. And my daughter, who is 32, Nicole, um, what a ray of sunshine she is. And she models, she's fun, she has a ton of friends, she travels the world, and yet she always sees the bright side of something. You know, where my son was saw the dark side yeah did you marry, and that was his depression i was gonna ask you did you marry did you marry young was you, was you following in your parents footsteps in terms of they were role models in terms of you wanting a relationship but to you know that kind of carrying on that fa- uh, family tradition well sure i mean i saw yeah i loved um i loved being married and i loved the family unit of staying home and raising my kids I have to tell you, it was the hardest job I ever loved. Yeah. Was raising my kids. First time I've ever heard. First time I've ever heard that saying. I, I thought you were going to say something else because it's a kind of like cliche thing that people say. But you said yep. you said it in a different way, and that was that was quite interesting. There. It's the hardest job I've ever loved yeah. because there's nothing like being a parent, but it's it's not a glorious job as the kids are little, yeah. you're not getting the thank you mom for all you did. You, you know, you don't get that. The yeah. first five years, you don't get any sleep. Um, but looking back, God, I would do it all over again. And, and I, you know, just, I loved being a mom and I had my parents involved and they were great, wonderful grandparents. And, you know, like I said, Mike and my dad were extremely close. Yeah. Um, and back to, you know, 
mental illness and depression. And I'm talking about this because when my son was around six, um, he acted out, you know, he was aggressive. He was, you know, doing things that basically were what boys do. And so I didn't look at it as, wow, my son's depressed because who would think a six-year-old could be depressed? Mm. But he was, and we didn't know anything about depression back then. And I mean, it wasn't like he was depressed every day, but he had his, his moments. And, um, and I had gotten him help when he was younger, but as he got older, you can't make an adult get help. You know, yeah. they have to want it. Yeah. And my son masked his depression with comedy, yeah. just like Robin Williams. I want to talk to you about, sorry, I just want to go back because you spoke about, are you looking at him being, at the time when you said he was six years old, did you know, are you looking back now and thinking, oh, he, or knowing that he was depressed then, or did you recognise it at the time? Or was it just something that, like you said, he was just, you, were, you didn't recognise it, but it was just, he was just being a boy? Well, at that time, I thought he was being a boy. But looking back now, knowing what I know no, now about, about depression yeah. and the signs of depression in children, my son was depressed. Yeah. But we always think of depression as sadness, um, in bed, you know, that's not always signs of depression. Mm. Depression can be aggressiveness, um, irritability, impatience, and that was my son. Mm. And I will never forget him making a comment, watching my daughter, who was always happy. He looked at her and he said to me, Mom, you know, I wish I was more like Nicole. And I can't tell you how that broke my heart to hear a little child already notice that he was different that he didn't seem the same as her and yet you know how do you what do you do with that I, I mean at that time we didn't know much then and now looking back over the years of my son acting out at times um you know but again being a boy more so we think you know he's just a boy He's doing aggressive things. Boys are crazy. They're testosterone, especially with puberty and, you know, girls and just doing stuff. I, you know, it was just a boy and not realizing that he was de as depressed as he really was because he masked it so well with comedy. Yeah. So, so, okay. If we, if we looking at him as a child and you, during his, during his childhood and his childhood, because your, his childhood, we all have different childhoods, even if they've been brought up by families or whatever. So your childhood would be different sure. from your mum's childhood, your, your father's childhood, because even though you're part of the same family, because everybody, you don't walk in, everyone, no one walks in the same footprints twice. You know, there's no, even twins don't walk in the same, um, no, the same exactly. take the same steps. So for you, at, just kind of talk, for, for listeners out there who, who may, you know, obviously we don't want to, anyone to sort of go uh, hypochondria and think of, you know, oh, is my son this or is, is because he's doing that. What, right, no, I'm what, not, I don't want... Yeah, what were yeah, some of the signs... diagnosing. Yeah, what were some of the signs that you... What, okay, let's, let's talk about what was the, some of the aggressive things that he was doing and growing up, before he hit the teenage, was there any, was there any problems at school or 
that you know looking back you can say oh yeah that was a problem or this or, or was it just him being a boy and you know what's interesting about that there was no problems at school mm. mike was he had friends you know he played he did the normal stuff driving little trucks and you know all the stuff boys do and play with um gi joe and 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 but i did notice when he was young how rough he would kind of get with his sister who was three months old and i noticed he'd you know play with her with her arms and but he was getting a little carried away for some uh, someone who was just very newborn and i would say mike you know you, you can't be that rough with her now of course part of him was jealous that here she comes along and now mom's attention yeah, yeah, yeah. isn't with him 100 percent. yeah i get that but he never hurt her but it, it was more of the um that kind of and that was the aggression part but he was trying to you know hold it back and i think let me go back a minute here was something that i always called my son he was my jedi knight you know star wars Yeah, yeah. My okay. Jedi Knight. Yeah. Okay. Because Mike was so great, his great side of him, but he also had the dark side of Darth Vader. And I used to call him that. Mike, you have Darth Vader in you, but you also are you know, um my what do you call it? What, what was get the the name Luke. of the Star Wars? Luke. Is it Luke Skywalker? Luke, okay. Yeah. Right. So But yet really Darth Vader was really a good guy. Yeah. Right? He just happened to be pulled to the dark side. Yeah. So that's why I use that analogy because my son being depressed would be pulled to the dark side to want to do or have dark thoughts. Now, obviously his dark thought caught up with him where he couldn't deal with it anymore and he took his life. And he took his life at the cemetery where my dad was buried. Yeah. Uh, which my son is now buried there. Yeah. But my son took his life with from compounded grief throughout the years of not dealing with grief. And I tell people and I say this strongly, please get help if you're grieving or you've had loss, loss of a job, loss of a spouse, someone breaking up with you. Um you know just major losses if you don't deal with them will compound and compound and compound and then all it takes is one more thing which is what happened yeah one more thing with my son and that was he couldn't deal with anymore yeah. and his chaplain took his life 11 months before my son my dad died on Mike's first deployment home on the very same day my son was flying home he missed My dad died. I had to greet my son with the news that Pop died. And he wasn't dying, so it wasn't like you knew Pop was dying and he was coming home. It was a shock. Um my son never got over that and he was never quite the same after. And that was in 09 and my son took his life in 14 2014 and you know, um so the compounded grief and one thing after another and all it just took was one more thing. So and uh so before it, it, even if we go back go back to when he was a child and even teenage did he 
he said he didn't he didn't show any signs of anything at school looking back and even at the time he didn't show any, he was having a good life a bit like what you did you had a good life you you know you it's it's like a generational thing it was a good everything was everybody's having a good life what were there any anything that kicked in what did he want to be is it is it did he want to be in the military what what did he want to be growing I mean, he always wanted to own a restaurant because Mike loved to cook and, you know, growing up in an Italian family and eating is, you know, major thing in Italians' lives. I call eating as a sport. (laughs) It's one of our sports. Mediterranean diet. Right. And we love to eat. I mean, every, you come to our house and you're sitting around the table. That's where people congregate. They don't go in the living room. So, you know, with Mike, he wanted to, Mike could run a a company. He was that smart. He was knowledgeable in everything that he could talk to anybody, a 90-year-old man when he was five years old. He sat on a park bench and talked to this 90-year-old man. He was like a little old soul. And yet he could also, you know, talk to the president. I mean, Mike was, he could talk to you about history and just anything. It could be religion. And so when he got into the military, which really wasn't something he was thinking of doing, but I sort of made gave him an ultimatum. You're going to either go into college and go to school and learn something, or you're going to join the, the military. Yeah. Because I didn't want to see him sitting around playing video games till six in the morning. That wasn't happening. You know, you need to do something with your life. And so my son ended up going into the army and he became a chaplain assistant which I have to tell you, I wish he stayed in it. I wish he had re-enlisted. He was phenomenal, and it's just what Mike needed. He needed a something that was structured. And military is, they're structured. You know, in the morning, you get up, you make your bed, you go for the run, you have to, you, these are, you, this is what you gotta do, and this is every day. And he needed somebody to kind of tell him what to do, because my son was just, he could just lay there, but he also was mildly OCD. Yeah. Okay, so, but in the military, um, I hear stories to this day still of how great Mike was, how much he did for them, how he saved their life from taking their life, but he couldn't save himself. So, um, he had so many gifts that he didn't see in himself. He didn't love himself like everybody else did. And that was the problem. Yeah, yeah. So you even know, when if, you don't love who you are. Yeah. So even if he's being told by even someone that is like his mom, he's been told that he's a he's a wonderful person. He he couldn't see that in himself. He didn't believe it. I don't think he believed it. You know, and I wasn't one of those moms that, oh my kids are the best. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. Um and I told Mike, you know, you have such great sides to you Mike your great side is so amazing but then you allow that dark side the Darth Vader to bring you down and stay in that swamp where that depression that's the depression see but if you don't deal with depression it could you know just swallow you up yeah so but again not everybody realizes that it's depression. Yeah. There's situational depression. You know, oh, we all have that. Um, somebody passes away in your family and you know, you're sad, you're depressed for a while. But then there's clinical depression, 
where it's gone on for months and for years and you know you need help with that it's yeah. not something you can do by yourself it's way too big yeah uh mike's mike's suicide triggered the worst depression in me that i i've never had yeah uh, when did you, when i can ask you sorry so i'm going to ask you when did you recognize that when did you when did you first start calling him you know the jedi knight and, and or when did you start recognizing that this might be depression in him what what You know, Around six years old. I'll say, what's I knew there was something, but I didn't know it was depression. Yeah. Let's put it that way. So when did you recognize then it was? Looking back now, when, when did you recognize when it was? Was it was it in his teens? Was it when he went to the military? Or was it when it came out? When he was in the military, he was the best he was. Yeah. Because you see, he had a purpose. Yeah. He had a purpose where not only did he love what he was doing, he loved his chaplain. Yeah. They were two peas in a pod. Yeah. He helped people. He was busy. Mike needed structure to be busy. And because he was so organized, he was in the greatest position you could have is being a chaplain assistant because you're an administrative job, but you also help with um, soldier uh, marriage retreats he would put together when military were they were out in the field where they had to sit and you know deal with as if they were out in a, in another country they were in the US so they dropped them off out into the wilderness they had nothing there was hardly any food there was no nothing to sleep you know they had to rough it because you have to learn how to do that yeah if you're going to go to Afghanistan or you know Iraq and and so Mike would go out and bring them toilet paper and you know stuff and he just sit and he'd shoot the shit with them. Yeah. And they all said, you know, your son was amazing. Now, he didn't need to stay. He had a bed to go back to and warmth and but he stayed with us all night and talked and drank coffee with us. So that was the person that he was. Yeah, yeah. And yet you know, just like I said, it was the last straw of and where Mike was at that point in his life and when people are suicidal they lose the hope there is no hope they don't see any hope and that's where people take their life that's the dangerous spot right there is yeah. the loss of hope yeah hope is what keeps us alive yeah so what happened between him being a, this person that would go out you said that you said that he 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 did he discharge himself on the army? Did he come out or was he still in the military? Well, no, he he was um honorably discharged after 4 years. Yeah. He thought about re-enlisting. But Mike had such great common sense. He and he did and he said I couldn't stand having to take orders from generals that were assholes that didn't know what the hell they were doing, but yet we had to listen to them. It, 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 he couldn't um, it, deal with it. He said, "I know I had to, and if I re-enlisted, I have to listen to this crap." And um, he he said he just couldn't do it. Yeah. And I really wish he had re-enlisted. Yeah. Because he would be alive today, I, I believe. Yeah. So when he came out, then did he did did he change? Could he not deal with civilian life or what 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 was happening there? Well, that. That's a great um, question because that is a lot of it. 
yeah. I believe, why a lot of soldiers, when they come back, do take their life. Um, when they are discharged, by the way, they are given a 30-minute quick little video. And here's your stuff, and thanks for, you know, being in the military and, and supporting our country. See you later. And they're just sent home. Yeah, there's no, there's no they can't care. go from, yeah, you can't go from military life to being in a house in a civilian life doing nothing. Now you don't have to get up tomorrow. There's nothing to do. You've lost your tribe. That's the big thing. They have lost their tribe, right? All the guys in their cavalry, in their platoon, these were their family members. And now they're all alone. Everybody went home and they don't, they don't have each other. And so they are lost. And my son didn't leave the house for the first month that he was home. Really? And he was, you know, a butterfly. I mean, he is a social butterfly. He didn't leave the house. He was afraid to have his back to the door. So you can't just let military, our, our military go and just send them home. Many of them go home to no one, go home to the, a spouse that left them. So they go home with no legs or an arm and a, no leg. And they're just supposed to what? <laughs> what are they supposed to do? They don't even know what to do yeah. because they've had a routine for so long and a group that they never leave each other behind. And you've heard that probably where the military, that's their motto. No one is left behind. Yeah. If you're out in the field and you are on the front line and you see one of your, your guys is down, you don't just leave him there. You carry him back with you. Even if you die with him trying to save him. That's that's what they do. And God bless them. I have to tell you, it's the most amazing. I have never seen such camaraderie and people that were have your back like the military. I swear, Mike's buddies in the military still after seven years reach out to me more than my own family it's sad it's sad to say that but it's true i'm honest to a fault you know i'm not i'm not about bullshit i can't stand bullshit i can hear you know i could smell a lie like a rat smells cheese but they are amazing how they check on me and they would be here tomorrow if i needed them friends and family i hardly hear from them anymore yeah and so you said he was he spent his time in bed what how long were you able to sit and talk with him and and was he starting to go down and further and further downhill well like i said that the second deployment back was where i really noticed mike was much more irritable mm. he was snapping he was not as warm and nice as he used to be. Mm. But then the military teaches you that. You're not supposed to be warm. You need to be able to kill somebody, right? Mm. And if you feel, you know, worrying about the other person and their feelings, how can you do your job? So I noticed when he came home, he wasn't like hugging me like he used to. Um, he was more standoffish and that's from being in the military mm. and i noticed a big difference from the first deployment to the second deployment yeah 
And so when he came back, you know, not only did he have to get used to, what do I do now? Um, that life back in the U.S., um, you know, it, it's it's different. And so I, I noticed, and that was in 2011 that he was discharged. And then 2014, he took his life. So he had trouble trying to figure out what he wanted to do with his life. Mm. Because, you know, the military will pay for you to get a degree. Right. And that's amazing. I mean, everything's paid for. And you get a stipend for even being able, if you're not working, you get like $1,200 a month to be able to pay for your expenses so you can go to school. Right. And they pay for all your schooling. Whether it's 40000 80000 they pay for that. So Mike was great at graphic design. He was a great freehand drawer. He could do 3D and it was, as a child, he won like little contests. So he had a lot of gifts. And um, so he went into school at, to be a graphic designer and shy of maybe a semester from graduating, he decided it wasn't for him anymore. So I noticed that he gave up on things easy. He didn't have the patience for something. Mm. Um, and yet, you know, I didn't know what was going on in his head because he's a grown man. Now, I did say to him, you know, Mike, maybe it wouldn't hurt you to go talk to, you know, go to the VA, hot, right? The VA for the veterans. They have where it's paid 100% of their medical to go speak to someone, to go get medical treatment, to go get a surgery, whatever it is they need. And he said to me, I'll never forget this, he looked at me and he said, are you kidding? It takes five weeks just to get an appointment to get in. Mm. And you don't see the same person twice. Right. And I thought, wow, this is how our military is treated. No wonder 22 veterans a day take their life. You can't wait five weeks when you're suicidal or severely depressed, you can't wait 10 minutes sometimes. Yeah. You need help now. And so when I said to him, you know, maybe it won't hurt to even, you know, get on some medication. I mean, medication isn't for everybody, but it does help many, many people live. I know this to be true personally, but also by many people that I've spoken to around the world right? Being as a mental health advocate as I am, those that are on medication that say they would have taken their life had they not had that to help them. Yeah. So again, it's not for everybody. But when I mentioned that to him, he looked to me, he said, yeah, that's for pussies, mom, medicine. You need to just learn to man up. Mm. Now, guess who teaches them that? Yeah. The military. Yeah. Yeah. So you medicines for pussies. So you were already so as even as a mom and as, as a person who's worldly wise, you're already recognizing that something's not right here with him. With I did. Mm-hmm. I did. And again, Mike was such a strong personality and so intense, I couldn't force him to go see someone. I'm trying to talk to him. Forget it, he's shooting it down, everything I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and he never dealt with his anger. You know, he 
his verbal anger. He never was a physical, like fighting with people. Yeah, yeah. But but the verbal was. I used to joke that he had a black belt in his mouth. Because <laughs> 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 I'm telling you, man, it was bad. I、yeah. mean, he could cut you off at the knees. He was brutal, but also so funny. Yeah, the yeah. funniest person I ever knew. I, I was, swear. I was asking as well. Where where was his? Because we're speaking about you, but where was his dad around? Was his dad able to speak to him, or was he? Well, we divorced. We divorced、yeah. when Mike was thirteen, and Nicole was. She's five years younger than Mike, so I don't know what was she eight.、Hmm. Um, but guess what? My dad moved in with me. When I divorced, because now I'm working outside of the house, not stay-at-home mom, because I need to work.、Yeah. And he said, "No, these kids are not coming home to an empty house, because idle time is the devil's playground." Yeah. And he was right. And my son was 13, and that's the dangerous age where they start getting in trouble. So my dad moved in to make sure when those kids came from home from school, they he he was there. How great is that Did, as a parent? Do you think that? Do you think that would have? Do you think that had an impact on your son as well? The, the divorce at, at that age. Oh, absolutely. I think my son probably would have been in more trouble had my dad not been around、mm. because I had to work. Even though I had, I had six-figure job, a year job. I, I worked great hours. I was usually out of work by two or three. So most of the time I was home before they got out of school, but you know,、um, so I had the nice house, I had the pool, I had the Mercedes, I had all that.、Mm. But again, that's not everything,、yeah. right? You you got to come from a great foundation. You can't build a home without the foundation. So it's just like your your family, these families that are out there, they have to have a good foundation, or everything's just going to collapse. Yeah. And so I was fortunate that my dad was around. He was a big influence on my son. But again, depression, mental illness, has nothing to do with people loving you. Yeah. Did, did you know? I was, was going to ask you as well. You know, because you, you at that time you said it had an impact. Because like you say, on on a thirteen-year-old boy and girls as well, can it can have an impact there? But it tends to happen a lot with. I'm not. Yeah. And in general, I'm not generalising here, but with boys, the impact of. Spitting up when seeing the mum and dad, because g- girls have a a, a far,、um, they have a different strength in terms of how they deal. Because maybe because of the way the body is and and they go through different things with the body as they're growing up, but females tend to deal with things in a different way, and tend to be a bit more vocal or stronger or whatever it is when they when they want to speak, and and maybe speak the feelings. Whereas boys keep a lot. We do keep a lot in. Do you think?、Absolutely. Do you think that him? Do you did he have a, a, a you know a relationship with his、um, with his father after the divorce? Was in you know, and did he ever speak about? Was he angry at the time when he, when the, when when you, when the split happened? You know, it's let me go back to originally. I didn't marry Mike's real dad.、Hmm. Mike's real dad was full of anger, and it's interesting how much my son was like him, like him and yet、yes. he never really knew him.、Yeah. Okay, I left him when Mike was three months old.、Um, 
He was verbally abusive, never physically to me, because I told him, you ever hit me, it'll be the last time you hit anyone. Because yeah. you won't live with my, my family won't allow you to get away with this. So he knew. But I left him and I met Steve, Mike's and Nicole's dad. And at six, seven years old, Mike, uh, Steve adopted Mike. So Mike and Steve was a great dad. But in Mike's mind, of course, he always knew Steve wasn't his real dad. And why didn't my real dad want to know me? Yeah. Right? Most kids feel that. Um, well, it wasn't about my son, really. And I always told him this. Your real dad, don't think he didn't love you because he didn't love you. It, it's about his issue. It's not about you, Mike. Nothing. It wasn't you. Okay. So, but again, there's a lot of kids that do take it personal, you know, but he did as he was in his teens, got to meet his real dad. Mm -hmm. So he did, but Steve was a great dad. Um, but I do, Mike was angry with the divorce, not really blaming me because it was my choice, yeah. but just acting out. Okay. Yeah. And looking back, I'm sad that I broke the family up because I didn't have that. I had two parents and the same sex parent is the most important parent to that child. So Mike really didn't have a father, but he had my dad. Okay. So he grew up, you know, knowing his real dad was, let's just say a loser. He didn't really want he didn't really fight for Mike, okay? And again, it didn't have anything to do with because of Mike, because Mike has a half-sister who his dad had nothing to do with her either. So, see, there's some people that in life aren't meant to be parents. He was one of them. It wasn't about Mike or his Mike's sister that um, they had the same dad. So, you know, but I'm sure as a boy, um, growing up, you know, in your mind, you wonder maybe, you know, why didn't you want to see me? Why didn't you send me birthday cards? Why didn't you call? But once, um, you know, Steve adopted him. I mean, we never really heard from Mickey again. And until around 13, Mike asked about meeting his real dad. And so I reached out to him and he came to the house and he picked Mike up. They went to dinner. Mike enjoyed it. You know, he got to, I think, understand where he came from on that side, right? And um, kind of thought some of the things about Mickey were cool because Mickey was mafia. And to a boy, that's kind of cool. It's like, I'm a gangster. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. a gangster. Yeah. So that was like cool, but he realized now, I mean, he realized he had a good family. He had the right dad. Um, but uh, I think that was all he needed was to just meet him and see. And he and then he went on with growing up. So it, yeah. it didn't become, I got to see him every week. But Mickey did say to me, you did a great job, Jill, raising him. He's a good kid. Yeah. You did a great job. Yeah. Okay. So, and if you want to talk about this, I mean, you know, the... <laughs> Would, leading up to the day when the when he when he took his life, was there any signs that you can look back and think you know that was 
was he, he was hinting at it or was it just something you just you know was it a sh- I mean it's going to be a shock but was it something where he, he he was trying to reach out for help but he didn't or you know, or was it just like a random thing and he just I won't say random but was he just one day he said you know what I'm going to do you know I think when his chaplain took his life which was January of 2014 and my son took his life December of 14 I saw my son fall apart and sob just fall to the floor when he got the news mm. he was not the same after that and I worried about him a little bit um, even his military buddy said to him you'd never do this right Mike you'd never take your life and leave your family like Chaplin left his and Mike said no but it's easy to say no until you're in that depth of despair mm. and that's the problem with mental health you need to have you need to know what you can do to help yourself before you get to that point. You don't want to wait till you're at that point. Yeah. Because then it's usually too late. And you're in because as we know, people don't really want to take their life. They just want to end that pain that they feel and they don't know any other way out. And but the trigger for my son was that his fiance broke up with him. Mm. The day after Christmas. and the next day my son took his life. Yeah. It was just too much. Between Chaplin, my dad dying, she breaks up. It was just too much and he never dealt with and talked about it. Yeah. He just covered it up with comedy. Yeah. So basically yeah. really the best you know the best of the the two role models that he saw as role models. I'm not saying you as a mom, I'm saying the two male role models in his life. left him which would be the chaplain and the is we you say your granddad his his granddad right yeah it, and it, you know chaplain being a chaplain you deal with people that want to commit suicide in the military all the time at your job and so to mike mike was shocked that how as a chaplain yeah yeah are you saving people's lives and then you go and take yours Mike was shocked and I think I can't be sure but inside I almost feel like maybe it gave my son an okay to mm. do that. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, he did it. Yeah, yeah. You he know? did it. If so, he could do it. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah, that's right. And you know, it's like how could you take your life? How did you do this? People were coming to you for help. So Mike was shocked. He was hysterical. I never saw him like that except the news when I told him Pop died. Um so yeah, those were two big male roles, role models in his life and um and I was uh, you know, people always always kept saying to me how much Mike talked about you. I knew all about you, you know. So, I mean, I know because I raised him. my kids yeah. my kids after we divorced they never really went to their dads on the weekend every other like most yeah, people yeah, yeah. they lived with me full time yeah. they didn't want to leave they liked their home they wanted their bedroom there and I, you know um i was the better parent i'm going to be honest yeah. i mean 
Yeah. Who is the better parent? Yeah. But parenting is a job, and you have to put effort in it. Where Steve didn't really do that. Once we divorced, he didn't really make the time to be around.、Um, yeah. But I was always a constant、yeah. that they could count on. Yeah, and, that, and that's and that's what it is. Some, and then and then that's what happens as well because as a as a mum, because you're doing the job, you can. You can end up putting the blame on yourself, or thinking, "Did I do wrong? Did I do this, that,、oh, and the other?" But when it,、mm-hmm. when it, sometimes when it boils down to it, and you and you and you start to step outside and think about it, you think, and like I just said, as particularly for a, a male, they they need a role model. I'm not saying that they should. I'm not saying that people don't dictate that split up should have divorces or whatever. I'm saying that even for a girl as well, the need, the need. A constant in their life, and somebody who's who's who they can turn to,、um, you know, away from. Things. So he was able to turn to the chaplain. He was able to have you, and then when those two people passed, it's you know, I've lost my mind. I've lost what what you know what have I lost? And like you said, the, the if it was if a chaplain can do that, why can't I? I think he also felt like everybody leaves me in my life.、Mm, my、yeah. pop died.、Abandoned. Chaplin took his life.、Yeah. My fiance broke up with me. I, you know, I don't really want to be here anymore. I don't want to deal with. I don't want to go through another loss, another because sometimes people equate love to pain, right?、Yeah. If I am, if I love or get close to you and you leave, it, that's painful. So I'd rather just. Shut myself off from everyone, and so for Mike, he just, I think, couldn't go through it again. He didn't want to face. Here I go. I have to call people and tell them I, she, you know, broke up with me. It, it, it was just like in his mind, he kept going over it and over it because the text message that he sent said that.、Um, my heart just bled out. He said, "I just couldn't. I can't do it anymore." Yeah, and.、Um, But yeah, you live with the what ifs and the guilt and blaming yourself. Yeah, that is a normal process in suicide. Yeah,、um, you know, you just always wondered, what if, should have, if I did this. Yeah, and in the end, you just don't, you can't blame yourself because,、um, like you say, people. And you really can't. No, you can't. It's something that we do, but it's but don't. I want to tell people, don't,、yeah. because you. This person, anybody you know, my son, they would have found a time or a way, Andrew, to take their life. Yeah. yeah. And you can't watch somebody twenty-four-seven. Yeah. So if it wasn't then, it would have been another time. Yeah. People that truly want to do it will find a way, find and a they'll way. find the time. Yeah. And doesn't mean that you don't love them any more, any less than. No. Right. But you you can't. Chain them to the bed, and you know you can't do that. And so, and you can't make them see someone, and you can't make them get help. I mean, it's it's a very frustrating place to be as a parent because I I couldn't force him. Yeah. yeah. And and for you, I mean, you know, obviously we've got time time constraints, and I don't know if you've seen it, but. Because obviously the podcast is about you, but I wanted to delve more deeper into that. No, to, to, I know we've been、yeah. half an hour podcast. I think right, two hours. Yeah, 
yeah so i mean if you wanted to talk about you in another podcast because i mean it's interesting to hear about you know the you know if you and if you want to, it's up to you if you want to carry on but um it's interesting to know the the for people out there that maybe who have gone through similar things or who who are, and even people who might be struggling with their mental health is 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 about getting like you say it's about getting help and and if you see there's a disconnect and if you've seen that um you know you're going through grief and you're going through these things where can you get help and all those sort of things and maybe this podcast is going to be there to I'm, I'm doing this because I want people to help you know I want this podcast to help people. right I want really want to and save truthfully, another I, I liked that you said on another podcast because I do want to have a podcast where I could let people know there are people out there to help you yeah where you can go to get help who can you call there is a there are a group of us you are not alone yeah. And I never want people to feel that their only way out is to take their life. Yeah. Because the pain that you leave behind to those that love you is a life sentence. Yeah. And so I would like to talk about that in the next podcast. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Where we'll I will talk. And then leading yeah. up to, yeah, that would be brilliant. Because, I mean, we spoke about your son and, and what he... And I think this will this podcast is going to help a lot of people. I think it, this episode is going to help a lot of people who may be seeing signs of, you know, similar things, and also the things to do with the so. the things to do with the military. There's lots of things that you spoke about today because I've heard that I've heard that we're, you know, I, I remember I remember um, doing a sports program and there was a, and I mean a program where I coached children and there was a guy there who who had been in the military in England and he, and he just you could see that he was struggling with PTSD and he, you could feel oh, that yeah. you could feel the anger with him and I just had to calm him down but and he wasn't he wasn't getting angry over you know anything that was bad that was happening in the time right. he just he just dropped his daughter off and he, and what I could I could feel his anger when he was talking and I had to you know try to talk to him about it and calm him down and he says you know I'm a good person to speak to and blah 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 and he was saying that, you know, how they don't... You, you, all the other things, the programmes that you said they put on, but it's almost like they... You come and, you come and do this thing for us, and now here we are, and we're just going to spit you out and leave you. I'm not going to knock the military. I'm not going to sit here, because obviously I, I've, I'm not being part of that. But from what I'm hearing, it's a similar, it's a similar thing that's been going on, like the veterans. Yeah, and veterans have had to set up their own programmes to sort to help like you said there's a collective there's a family you know once that family breaks down i'm not talking about us as a family i'm talking about the military family right the military family yeah they're lost they're lost the people get one lost. podcast people... one of my episodes on my podcast on anchor and spotify it's called the forgotten soldier and i talk about that yeah i talk about what we can do for them yeah. and what happens when they come home Okay, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, we're gonna talk about this on another podcast because it'd be, I want to really think, and I really want to get to, you know, to, to talk about mental health and your and what you went through. Um, you know, you know, I want to say thank you for talking about what a difficult situation, um, you know, through your life, and and you know, I hope I wasn't being, you know, thinking with my questions and stuff. But I, I really want the listeners, I want everybody to connect, and I want people to kind of hear about these things and why 
and why these things happen and 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 maybe because you know we, like you say we're not going through it alone we're not going through it alone there's going to be somebody out there um i know i know for a fact because at one point i was like that i was suicidal so it's something that i know that i'm spoke about I'm maybe one or two people but I, so i get it as a as a as a man as as a young person i understand it and i can see um how it can have when I listen to people I can how I know I can see how it would lead to a devastating impact and a life like you said a life sentence for oh, for parent God. for parent to because even parent losing a child regardless of it's suicide or not, it's it's it, oh absolutely you know it's I mean? the worst nightmare for yeah. a parent my my, losing my a child. I was a twin and my my brother's my my twin brother died when we were seeing so I I know it's a sentence I know that's a sentence even though she has other family members and she has me it's a life sentence yeah. mom it is you, you, part of you dies i mean part of me dies i'm not the same but i am an open book and i'm here to ask you can ask me anything i will talk about anything about my life my book isn't open i'm an open book in my book yeah um, you know so i want to help people there is help for people yeah i'm a living proof that i'm alive and i'm going to be Jill, so I want you to to tell the people where you can be found. Just tell them the title of your book because we're going to do another podcast definitely. Just kind of <laughs> let yourself be known and so people can contact you or if you need if you want to be contacted. Absolutely. Absolutely, Andrew. Thank you. Well, my website's called aftermathofsuicide.com. You can reach me there. Um there is a contact Jill page. Also Jill at aftermathofsuicide.com is my email. You can write to me, ask me questions. Um, I am based, obviously, in the U.S. on East Coast time. Um, <coughs> my phone number is on the website. My book is available on my website. Um, and again, all the proceeds go to our military and our first responders. So you can listen to me also on um, Anchor. Um, on, under the name Aftermath of Suicide, as well as Spotify, and I'm on Instagram and Facebook under those names, yeah. same name. Yeah, and I'd like to say thank you. You know, I know it's a difficult thank subject you, and stuff like that. So I'd like to say thank you, and it's appreciative. And and for those listeners out there, please contact um, Jill um, and just you know get to know her. And and you're not alone. You're not alone. Anybody, right? And I want to say this: one in four people suffer men- with a mental disorder one in four so those listening right now you know someone right now who's suffering please reach out to them yeah. please reach out to them just ask them how can i help you what's going on yeah that's it you don't have to fix them yeah. but reach out yeah. and 75% of suicides are men yeah and thank you Jill and that thank you andrew was men thank you so much have a good evening i know it's late for you one moment one <laughs> moment I'll, I'll what i'll do is i'll end the podcast and then we can we'll just have a little chat um sure that was men are nuts speak to you soon <laughs> <laughs>